Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a DubLab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the DubLab radio archives. All right, DubLab, how's it going? It's Mike Noriega here. We're bringing you this special show today. We got the East Side Story Story. Hey, everybody, we're going to do this show. Um, we got some special guests here tonight in the house. We got Miles Grayson. We got Lowrider Sundays in the pad. We got our famous Mr. B. We got Weddle. Where's Sig's at? Did he walk out? He took off. All right, we got the original creator. Very pleased to have him here today. I want to give a big thanks to Mr. B. Thank you for coming in today. No, I just want to say thanks. Great that you're doing this, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, we'd love to have you, man. It's like a great experience. I know um, Melissa's been working really hard, and she's done her master's thesis on uh, the East Side Stories wow. here. <laughs> Seriously? On the- yeah, she took college courses. Ah. <laughs> pretty on music, much. On the music, right? Yeah, no, she's, she's, been, she's been pretty much into it, man. And, yeah, you know, and the main thank you is, like, for bringing out, you know, a whole group of collectors with the amazing sets of volumes that you did you know the music that you chose that's the key of this whole entire interview is the music you chose was the reason that i decided to do the show oh, george miller in the house wow. come on back here brother because hey, <laughs> so we got george miller in the house we got the we got sigs came in finally all right ff pinstripes we got every- what was your name again brother yeah. manny what's your last name sir all right, we got Mr. Manny Escobar. Esquivel. And we have Moni. The famous. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get uh, some music started to open uh, this little setup here. We're going to play one song, and we're going to come into a little bit of an interview with you, Mr. B. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorites off Volume 1, Making Ends Meet by The Midnighters. All right, back to Mr. B here. We just want to, like, really get back into your origin, like where you came from, what city you grew up in, stuff like that. If you want to speak on that. I know you had said LAX area. Yeah, well, I was actually born... uh, Hold on a second. Uh I was born and raised in uh, L.A. County, and I grew up over by LAX in Westchester. Went to Westchester High School back in those days. Oh, okay. That's what I was looking at, like... um, you said that you're a Greek, your nationality. Oh, yeah, Greek. I'm Greek. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people thought you were like Latino, man. You're like, you're the hard, <laughs> hardcore, hardcore homeboy from the neighborhood. <laughs> He's like, the, I was looking for this dude. I was going down to the, you know, like swap meets, and I'm like, hey, where's that Vato, you know, with these side stories, you know, and I meet this dude. I'm like, oh, all right, so, hey, so where are you from, dude? <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm, I'm Greek, man. <laughs> but, yeah, good, good stuff. Um, definitely want to speak uh, some, some more about, like, what you and your father did when you worked there at the swaps, you know, you told me about, um, that was your, in 63, 64, was it, you said Starlight Swap Meet? Uh, well, yeah, actually, uh, my parents were going to um, the one in Paramount, uh, that, that uh, swap meet over there, and they actually started before that. They started probably back in 58 or 59. They started selling uh, uh, product over there. They were selling artificial flowers, and they were selling... Uh, shirts and stuff like that. And you were saying like your dad would be like, oh man, the guy across the way, 
he's like blasting us out with his music, you know. And probably 63, 64, to me, you know, it's not oldies. It's just like music that's selling, you know, like whatever was current to me. And it'll be like, you know, whatever's hot on the radio. And people walking up, hey, I want to buy that record. And, and this guy's telling his dad, well, hey, man, look, he's, he's busy. Like, he's got money. Like, we're over here trying to sell some fake flowers, man. Can we like, <laughs> you know, can we get some... Can we get some music over here, Dad? So did he decide that, you know, hey, you know what, that's a good idea? Or was it just, he just said, I'll take a chance and started selling records? Yeah, well, back in those days, the, during the week, there was there was a swap in Chino and Colton. And that's actually where uh, a lot of this started. That's where the guy was selling. The other guy was selling records, and he would just blast out his music. And uh, my father would, would, would get upset. He couldn't didn't like that. So actually what happened is what I did, one day I brought out a radio I actually, from way back, I'm an, I'm an amateur radio operator, and I had this big receiver, and I took it out one day, and we just started blasting the music, and it just kind of took off from there. My father decided that he would start selling records to be in competition with this guy, so he actually started selling records at the swap meets, yeah. and it kind of grew from there. Yeah, well, to me, like, I, I used to sell the swap meets as well. My my parents did in the 70s at a La Mirada swap meet. At yes. They used to sell like mirror planners, and I used to sell toys, and I never sold records. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really start collecting records in probably until the 80s, but you know, I was seven or eight years old and bouncing on the swap. I remember getting lost at the swap. <laughs> I remember my, my dad <laughs> be like, "Hey, do, where's that know. guy at?" And then going to the speaker stand, like, "Hey, dad, I'm at the speaker stand." <laughs> yeah, I'm at the speaker stand. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um. I, Tell me how like you branched out. Like, what what was some of your decisions? How you um, you said it was like mid was it mid seventies or when did you take no, off? Actually, it was, it was earlier. Well, when I took when I kind of uh, what happened is um, uh, my sister and I started uh, selling records at the swap. And we told my father, "Well, look, why don't we go out and start selling records?" So uh, probably about the sixty four or so, we started sixty three, sixty four. We started selling records at the swap meeting, and we went to that's the first time we went to the Starlight Drive-in in El El, El Monte. It was the first time we went there, and um, so we started selling records out there. And actually, I kept those spaces for probably twenty five years after that, a long, wow. long time. So I mean, but yeah. me going to the swap meet, I know you've had the same experience. Um, a lot of the people already like they. Oh yeah, I remember him like. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, he, I guess you used to you used to distribute, you know, some of your. Oh, I did. Yes, yes. I sold a lot of. Once stuff you made the volumes, but yes. I, I'm I'm thinking, you know, right here at the in '70 70 or '73 is pretty much when you started, like, you know, running, um, basically running your business. Yeah, kind of what happened was in, in 1969, my sister and I were driving to the um, Starlight Drive-in. We were going up the 405 freeway. We led us to a bad accident. Someone hit us from behind and turned us over. Anyway, it was a bad accident, and the, and the van we were driving was totaled. And my father just kind of didn't want to go to Starlight anymore. He didn't want to, he just, he didn't want to fix it and, and continue. So I told him, well, I'll take over the spaces. So I took over the spaces. We had a couple of nice spaces. They were right next to the snack bar, real close to the snack bar. And... Um, at that time, uh, is that posters, your stomach growling back there? I heard your stomach back we there. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> at, at that time, posters were real popular, blacklight posters and all kinds of posters. And so I started off actually selling posters when I took it over. And um, one day my sister said, why don't you sell oldies? And I'm going, oldies? And yes, she said, yeah, you should sell oldies. Look, we know so-and-so is selling them. So what I would do is, being very conservative in nature, uh, I kept selling the posters, but I brought in a few oldies records. 
and I and I got a player. Oldies like fifties, oldies. Uh, yeah, probably yeah. most of them were from the late fifties, <clears throat> early sixties. Okay, because I mean, how old were they? You know, like is that, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was talking about. <laughs> I, I want to do Smiley. Can I do Smiley? Is it cool? All right, I'm just talking to Smiley, and she is Smiley because she's always smiling. Um, she um, and I were, were talking about the the fact that you know, like, when are oldies really like oldies? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it really came in kind of early in the '70s is when people started saying, hey, "I want to hear you know." Those, but yeah. records from '57 or '55 is what I'm imagining. But you're saying is even '61 or two. Um, yeah. Well. But by 1969, when when I when I started selling old, actually they had started before in the mid 60s. That's yes, what you said there before, some, 68 or 69. Yeah, there was stuff going around. They were selling oldies at that time, what they considered oldies at that time, which were from the late 50s, right around 1960, 61. But in 1969, when I started, um, yeah, there were there was a pretty substantial market for oldies at that point in time already. And so I started selling oldies, and eventually I got rid of all the posters and just had a big uh, display of oldies. And I was selling 45s, and, and uh, we had a few albums and stuff. And uh, most of them, they were, they were almost all oldies. And I di- didn't mess too much with the current stuff. Um, and um, uh, at, at one point, I was aware that there were other people making their own 45s and selling them. <laughs> so, well, they were. Yes. Wenzel's was making them. Gold Old Gold had just came out in 68. Gold Old Gold was the only way you could get some of these. Like, that's a big part of my conversation that's going to be later. Yes. I'm going to play a record for you right now. Mm-hmm. And tell me what you, if you remember them coming, all oh, the homies, the little, the little Vatos coming up and saying, hey, homes, you got this <laughs> record, man. I'm looking. <laughs> hey, Savas K, homeboy, I need this record, man. Check it out. Lee Goop, Shirley and Lee. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean that we we're just talking right here, like having our own little side interview. Um, if you wanted a forty-five that was from fifty-one to fifty-five, they just weren't pressed. You know, they they did one per thousand up to about fifty-three of seventy-eights, and they did one per th- uh, hundred in fifty-four. So it was like when you had a VHS player, <laughs> how much was that when it came out? They were like a thousand dollars. I remember my dad buying yeah. one and being like. Dad, that's like two house payments, three house payments, $1,000 for VHS. That's how it was for 45. Nobody had a 45 player until like 1957, 50, 58. That's when it became affordable. So people would come to him and be like, hey, man, you got Lee Goofed, the song I just played, or you got I'm Gone. Those were on volume one. Both of those were on volume one. So I think a lot of the stuff that he brought to me, I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for him, but he, he must have brought it due to the fact that Volume One has those records that the first homies that were coming, or the the Rasa, or the people, even just I'm sure it was, it was probably some American guys, like regular surfer guys, or somebody that would come. I know most of it was portrayed for the Latinos, but definitely there was probably regular people looking for certain records that are on your Volume One because there's not just lowrider tunes. There is some actual good, you know, R&B tunes. Yeah. So to me, that's what I noticed. That you know, what what do you? What do you remember from that time? Was it people that were asking for the... Do you remember buying those gold, old gold records, or um, how are you supplying them? Yeah, it's vaguely familiar. Uh, there were the, all the wholesale places were on Pico. Uh, yeah, all, the, old, all the, the wholesale places were on Pico at that time. Uh, 
And I used to go down there, and there were there were probably five or six different wholesalers, and there were some small guys, and sometimes they would have bootleg stuff that would have those those songs on there. But some of them were just difficult to find. But all all of my clientele at were, were were Latin. There, there were no uh, there were no, no surf no surfer dudes. There were no surf- <laughs> <laughs> no and. Uh, yeah, that's how I that's how I picked up on the music. I would just you know from what the what the demand was, uh, people walk up and ask for stuff. And that's crazy. Of course, I paid very careful attention and uh, uh, just learned everything that they were looking for. So you pretty much just listen to the people, and, and from that's pretty much how you're. Well, your volume one. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like you were telling me, it was a couple guys were bugging you, like, "Hey, man, you should make a volume." You know, you're like. <laughs> Well, actually, what had happened is I was pressing some 45s, and I, I probably had maybe a dozen or so. I this. saw that bring me bring you hap, bring me happiness, yeah. the Rosie and Ron one. Yeah, well, that was on East Side, but I was doing uh, that. I was doing. Oh, a you're bunch doing other, different labels. other labels. I had okay. a bunch of different labels, and um, I was sending a guy. But you're like Miles. Miles don't remember all his. Miles has got like six, seven hundred records. They did. He can't remember. I mean, remember that label? He's like, uh, man, I was just getting paid that day. You know, I don't remember <laughs> the damn label. <laughs> I was laying bricks, brother. You know, stacking drywall. Yeah. Well, actually, so I was having a, uh, an acquaintance of mine go to other swap meets, and he was taking the 45s and selling them, you know. And um, one day he came to me and said, why don't we do a compilation package? And I said, oh, I don't want to get involved in that. It's too much hassle and too, much, too many issues and stuff. He kept pushing me so far. I said, okay. Were you pressing those? Were you pressing those at down at like Crown, or you told me about um, going down to Modern? It was Crown, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Modern and Crown were the same. Same thing. Yeah, it's Modern Music right there. I think it's off Normandy, right? Normandy. Yeah. Normandy. Yeah, yeah, they were they were pressing for everybody pretty much they, at that time. Yeah, I mean all the all the small. If you were if you them and Monarch, if you had a small record you wanted pressed, you went that's, to Monarch or you went to go. yeah, you go with Crown. Well, my my father knew the owner, and that's kind of how he had become friends with the owner because he was buying a lot of the stuff that they were pressing their own stuff, and he would he started selling some of that at Swap Me, so he knew the owner pretty well, and so yeah, I'm sorry, the Bahari Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they're a brother. Right. The, they call them the modern brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they, so anyway, yeah, so my dad got me set up with him, and I started pressing over there. I started pressing 45s there. Yeah, I'm sure Miles pressed with them. 5810 South Normandy, yes. Yeah. That's it. Very. Miles said, man, they got my wallet lots of times. Yeah. <laughs> got my checkbook. I wrote a lot of checks to those Harry brothers. There you go, man. That's my damn checkbook. <laughs> Sons of them. <laughs> Nine cents a record. Nine cents a record? Yeah. To press them, right? 45. What was the retail price back then? Oh, if it was a dollar, that's kind of high. No. The, the, well, uh, I, I, I think the MSRP was a dollar. The, the, the a dollar suggested sounds a, a dollar sounds really yeah, but high, high, but not not at sixty eight or seventy. No. By then, I remember walking in, and and I'm I'm gonna say seventy eight or seventy seven is when I first started buying forty fives, and I remember my mom going up and being like, "I don't got a dollar, you know, <laughs> you you crazy, let's go." I'm like, "But it's but it's mom, it's this record. Remember, I want that record," and you know. It just <laughs> so no, you can't get it. What did you used to pay? You got you remember what you used to pay when you were a kid? Um, I can remember uh, forty five. Some places would put up fifty nine cents was a was a fairly common at, at some some of the retail places. Um, it, it it varied. It varied from place to place. Right on. We're gonna go into another volume one little set here. I'm gonna do like four or five tunes, and we're gonna talk a little bit. But uh, enjoy, this is Mr. DJ. (laughs) I've written down the information 
So please, Mr. DJ, read my dedication. Dedicate a record over to somebody special who doesn't know our All right, blah, blah, we're back. Um, just going to get back into a little bit more talking here with Mr. B. Um, yeah, you can take that off, brother. You're the man. My son's over here playing DJ. Um, when you did volume one, you know, I, I, I know I seen a cover that had volume with no volume. Like it was just, I don't know if it was the first one. It was one of them. It could have been just some, they, I mean, they bootlegged you in Japan. They bootlegged I'm sure you in Mexico. They did. I'm sure they Everyone did. Everyone bootlegged everybody. It was all yeah. like it was going, but I, I'm just wondering, like, was volume one? Because you told me, you didn't know if volume one was like, we put it out, but you didn't know there was going to be volume two. Like, I think when we talked on our first interview, you kind of spoke that yeah, you were I, undecided. I, yeah. I want to see how I, it did. Yeah. I, I was looking forward to doing many more volumes. Uh, I didn't know for certain whether I would or not, but I certainly was anticipating doing a number of volumes because as I chose the songs, I was very careful to choose, choose just enough of the good stuff. And, and put some other less popular stuff in there so that I could save a lot of the other good stuff for other volumes. So I was very careful. Yeah, volume one is choices. probably my favorite one. Be, yeah. Just because Making Ends Meet is like my, it's my Mona Lisa. And it's definitely Willie's Mona Lisa. Yeah. I mean, I would spend weeks coming up with the, with the right uh, uh, choice of songs, if you will, for each of the volumes. So it, I, I, would, I would ponder over that for weeks and coming up with the right songs. Yeah, and to me, when I, I know when I, I have my own record label too, and I press records, and they come, and I get that that batch, and I got like 500 records. You know, I usually only do 500. I get that batch, and I'm like, shit, man, is this going to sell? Like, And that's probably, to me, was that the feeling that you had? Like when you got that big first batch, you were like, oh, man, uh, this is, this is going to be. I mean, I know the cost of living was yeah. cheaper then, and it was probably cheaper yeah. to press records, but were you kind of like, oh, is this going to work? Cause I was probably, you know... I was so into this that I had a really good feeling. Um, well, the compilation's great. Yeah. So you. Yeah, I, I really wasn't too concerned about that. I, I kind of, I mean, I don't forget. I've been selling. I've been selling oldies probably for ten years before I started the the East Side. About eight years. Right. So um, I had a really good feeling for what the demand was going to be and what songs people wanted. So um, yeah, I, I didn't really. I wasn't really too concerned about that. But it was. It was important for me. I mean, the the choice of songs were probably the most important thing here. Yeah, that, uh, that, how did you choose that batch? Like, what, yeah. what, what, what was it? Was just like the biggest, most popular, or were they your favorites, or it was just stuff that you heard and 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 commanded the same equal? Like, you know, people asked a lot and you liked it a lot. Or it was it was based strictly on on the quantity of sales for each of the of the titles. I mean, I just had a general idea in my mind what the demand was, and so I was very careful to pick out a few good ones for each volume, and so I could say so. I, I definitely was thinking about doing other volumes you know i was going to talk about photo shoots but i'm going to let you do that because you're like smiley she's definitely the authority like i said she's dot com east side stories deluxe you know the revenge so oh. <laughs> really i didn't we just let her run with the, with, with that uh, that part of it but um i wanted to know um how you came up uh with uh like volume two songs and were those also favorites or were you just you know it must uh, to me volume one two and three Definitely had a lot of uh, a lot of clout, man. With me, like just 
I, I really liked a lot of those selections more more than I did the rest of them. I'm not saying the rest of them were bad. The rest they're all great, but for me, one, two, three were like, poof. That was like yeah. there was some heat as far as and there was more underground stuff. When I say underground, like I was talking before, records that just didn't sell. You know that probably were like you know my, that was my afita rola. You know that was my. My grandmother had that record, you know, she used to play it, or my, my dad used to play it, or somebody in your family had the record. A lot of records, like Willie will detest that, like, they came from neighborhoods. Like, th- that was the neighborhood's record. Like, some barrio, I'm not even going to say no barrio names, but some barrio, that was their, their cut was the town I live in, you know, that barrio. Or the other cut was, you know, Smile I'll Cry Later, or whatever. It was different hoods, had, because their mom... And a lot of more oddball tunes. Their mom had that record, and then you'd have a party, and you know you'd you'd steal the record. So you're like, hey, well, she's not looking. Let me get that record. You know, <laughs> let's get out of here. Like, I got it. It was literally like that. Like people were, you know, passing on music, and I think that's how a lot of the the volumes you did one, two, and three are so more underground. There's more underground titles on there. When I say underground, people are on the radio right now going, that's not underground, man. That's like bring me happiness. But in those days, that was that was underground. Yeah, it was because I know I, the records I was looking for were underground. It was just like Desiree, you know. <laughs> I can I can tell you this that the, the first four four volumes were the most popular. That the first four were the most popular, and they, and they kind of uh, the other ones were sold well, but uh, number three was is probably the iconic one. That was probably the one with the most demand. I mean, it wasn't a huge difference between like two and three, but three was the probably the most popular of all the volumes. I mean, they're all strong. Don't get me wrong, but that yeah, that one, two, and three for me, like the I'm just I guess I'm more of a you know record nerd, but I liked I liked the the way you put them together. It was very 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 well done. Yeah, when I when I chose the songs, especially for the first three, I wanted to be careful to make sure that there was going to be a demand. So I I specifically picked songs that I thought that there was a big demand for the two. Hopefully to make those popular and sell. Once, so what I was trying to do was to establish the East Side Story. So to do that, I put some really good songs on the first three or four. Yeah, I mean, amazing. It's like the most, to me, a lot of the, I mean, there's still records on there that command, you know, hundreds of dollars. People are like, what do you mean? It's all hits. But yeah, man, go find a nice stone mint copy of I'm Gone by Shirley and Lee. It's $200. You're not going to find it because it's 52 45s, like I said, they weren't pressed very many. They didn't press very many 45s, so you weren't going to get that. You can't get the record. If someone walks about, I want, well, here you go, gold, old gold, $1. Thank you. (laughs) Cha-ching. You want it on Aladdin? Well, (laughs) happy trails, because you're not going to find that record. It's just not going to, in any condition. I mean, you'll find them, beat the crap. You know, party records, they were in, we used to stack them on broomsticks, right, Willie? Stack them on a belt. We come to the party, man, you got your 45s there. I got my broomstick, boom, it's in the trunk of the car, pull it out. He had a 62 Impala, he pulled out the damn broomstick. He had a bunch of 45s. Let's go, man. Let's party. No sleeves. What the hell you need a sleeve for, man? <laughs> we're going to party these records, you know? But, yeah, um, we're going to play a little bit more music. And um, I'm going to ask a few more questions. We'll talk a little bit about Aslan Oldies, maybe. And um, we'll get Smiley up here, man. We're going to see what she wants to say. And we'll give you a little more time. Have some more water. Relax. <laughs> Do the little midnighters. All right. 
How can I tell my mom and dad? I don't know, man. I try to tell my mom. I try to tell my mom and dad, and they said, Shh, "Get out the house." I said, "Move out, sucker." <laughs> like, oh, you want? Yeah, I, out. <laughs> you gotta get a job. <laughs> oh. So I'm gonna come back, man, and just tell you, you know, um, I really appreciate the music. I, I think overall, the listeners that are out there tonight. I don't know what they feel, but you know, to me and most uh, underground collectors that are here tonight, I think they went to the, I think they went to the liquor store, but they'll be back. <laughs> um, they said um, this is the reason they started like collecting oldies. You know, like a lot of a lot of guys didn't just buy records. Like, all right, I'm just going to collect records. You know, it just didn't happen. Like somebody's mom had this record or somebody had your compilation, like at a party. I remember my aunt going down. I swear to God, I know you didn't sell my liquor stores, but this little, you know, little Chino place. And this is in the eighties. She did. She bought a cassette and we went home and I never heard he say stories ever. And it was volume one. And I think that's probably why it's so important to me when she put it on and you hear that, that, the intro of making ends meet na, 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 na. that little <laughs> the drum how it starts and you hear Will you know with his voice and it's just the style of the music it was like I wanted to be a part of that and you see the pictures and you're like oh yeah it looks like that looks like Bear and like no nah, that's not Bear that's like that looks that looks like Snoopy you know it's like nah nah that's happy you know <laughs> but it was like the cars and then you saw and she's like oh like I got a lot more and she'd pull out and she had like albums and tapes and we, I'd go through them and We'd be playing them all night and, you know, just sneaking a few beers and, you know, we're 14, 13 years old and having fun. It was good music and we enjoyed it. And I, I, I really thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'm, we're not ending it, but I want to bring on my homegirl Smiley here after I play a couple more songs. But um, I want to I, I was going to say, hey, we'll bring up some Aslan oldies, but I really don't know nothing about that. You know, I don't know how many volumes you did, but we'll let you talk about that. Is that cool? All right. And then, you know, I'm just going to say all these collectors came here today to support you. And, uh, I mean, everybody everybody showed up that I pretty much invited. I mean, there was nobody that couldn't make it. Everybody, like, you know, they came from San Diego. We made it. So they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're here from San Diego. We got my, my, Yeah, my buddy Willie came from Pomona. You know, I live in Corona, which is almost, you know, wow. Elsinore. So, yeah, we, 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 man, we, we love you, brother. <laughs> We came to. See, we we really just are so happy to have you on the show, and uh, I think you started something that I don't. I don't know if you knew, but you start. There's a whole big vinyl reinsurgence. Yeah. There's a big collector reinsurgence, and, and music in general, especially oldies, is like really popular right now. It's like there's all these radio shows. I mean, Weddle, I haven't seen him in. 20 years almost, you know, and he popped up at my buddy's house. Hey, man, I'm doing this Santanodi show, and these guys got records, and they were all excited when I brought an elephant walk. Like, <laughs> like they were happy I had elephant walk, and I was like, elephant walk? What the hell? It's, oh, okay, that's cool, man, but it's, hey, that's, that's, that's great. If we can get the younger generation hooked, like, these girls are younger, people that are younger into this music and keep it going man i mean and, and it's what you did brother i mean believe it or not it's really what you did like i mean i know that people will talk bad and people will say negative stuff but screw them man i mean what you did was 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 a great set of 12 and you did gold records too i mean i think what you did with the gold records was you did like tracks from the albums 
and then he added a few. I noticed that there was a few little add-ins that yeah. weren't in your compilation. Well, I can tell you what happened with the with the gold volumes. At you, some at some point, you got uh, licensed. Uh, or yeah, something. yeah. At some point, I, I I was caught up with and I had to license all this stuff. And, Art LeBeau came say, "Hey, yeah. I need some money. Give me some money." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But then what I did was that's all licensed stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That was all. Yeah, your golds are all licensed. Yes. Yeah, so, it, I mean, there it is, man. He, At least they were. I mean, he started out, you didn't have the license, but you did, back then it wasn't like you were trying to get licensed. People were just, people were putting out compilations on everything. Yes. You know, there was all kinds of mixtapes, and people were selling, like, they were just, Wenzel Records was making freaking 45s that were just blanks. I remember Wenzel's. Yeah, they were just blank records, and it would say the title, like, Blue Moon. There it is. It was, and it was a real thick vinyl, looked like a 60s pressing, and they made them for, they were made for jukeboxes and cars. That's all they made them for. People come in, hey, I need this, now give me, give me 10 of these and 10 of those. And it, it was like, you know, ordering eggs and breakfast and stuff. Because they were so cheap, they would sell them for like 15 cents, 20 cents. In the 60s, they were doing the first bootleg. So what you did basically was no different when everybody else was doing it, but you did it like at a very professional level. Because, you know, the artwork, the covers, the thoughts, you know, like she's going to talk about some of the photo, photo sessions and stuff like that. So it'll give, she knows more about it than me. I was trying to be like, hey, you know, I'm like, there you go. I, don't know. I know everything. I don't know shit about this. Like, homegirl is making, like, she's got her own Instagram, man, like, with this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's all dedicated. You know, like I said, she's, she wakes up in the middle of the night, Eastside, stories. What's the matter with me? What's the matter with me? Uh, it was this guy from Eastside, stories. He called me on the phone, and, and I, I'm just, I'm so thrilled to go. Hey, Mike, can I come? It's like, when I told her, hey, can you come? She's like, uh, can I come? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can come. Like, please let me come. I want to come over there. I want to be a part of this. And that's, that's, the dope, that's the dope shit. Like, she's younger, the younger yeah. generations. Yeah, I can cuss on this show. That's all good. <laughs> I just say shit, man. It's all good. Yeah, this is, this is internet radio. I'm not going to try and F-bomb everything. But they're, they're really like, it, this whole show is basically for them, for you, obviously for the collectors that came. And to tell your story, man. And, and we're really happy you did it. She's, I'm going to bring some more music on. And she's going to ask, you know, I'm going to basically sign out kind of. And maybe I might come back a little bit. Okay. Yeah, happy Mother's Day Sounds to everybody. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Day. You a mama? That's why we played your song earlier. How can you tell your mom and dad? You, you got a mommy. Hey, and then, you know you were sitting in the park. No. No, I'm good. Sitting in the park. What's up? This is Little Smiley. Lowrider Sunday's getting in the house. What, what? What, what? We're excited to be here um, for... So many of you, I think, um, know that I do run an Instagram ac account called Eastside Story Project. So um, because, as Mike was talking about, these albums are so iconic within many generations of the Chicano community and inspired a lot of us to not only embrace the music but take on collecting, I just, being the curious person that I am, <laughs> I just got to wondering... Who are the people on the covers? Who put this album together? You know, it's something that we've kind of just taken for granted. It's like a Chicano... Uh, Chicano urban legend. Chicano urban legend, but yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And so um, I was like, there's got to be people that know who are on the covers. There's got to be people that know who put it together, the locations. And so little did I know that was going to be... Uh, those are all difficult questions to answer. And but I'm glad that you're here with us today. And 
um, we're going to talk to you about your process for finding the people on the covers and also for your inspiration about marketing specifically to the Chicano community. And I just wanted to quote something on the back of the albums and that you wrote. You said you wrote the little blurb on the back. And it said that the East Side Story volumes are destined to be collector items that will live on forever because the very nature of the songs goes to the essence of the way of the of the life of the lowrider. And it's like that hits the nail on the head, you know, like it really is the essence of the culture, mm-hmm. this music. And can maybe you tell us about your inspiration to write this like portion on the back of the album that's a really good question i actually i actually thought about that for quite a while and i actually came up with that myself that's everything all of that came from inside of me and um, it's just interesting how circumstances uh create uh situations like this i mean i just happened to be selling at a swap meet where there was all latin clientele if it wasn't for that this never would have happened so it just all it just all came from that. Is that how you feel like like how I asked you earlier like like I was saying like a person like you who you know you don't look very Chicano but how did you get it to this is I want to do like this is I want to cater this to you know this these people then know you know what it is you wanted to sell and how to market it mm-hmm. you know how did you start off with that? It's a really good question. Um, it just um, you know. Uh, after several years of specializing and selling oldies at the swap meet, I got to know the market really well. And mm-hmm. I came to the realization that there isn't, there isn't a compilation that uh, directs itself to that specific area of, of interest. And so um, as, as my friend brought to my attention this fact that he wanted me to do a compilation package, as I thought more about it, um, it, it just it just came from you know the the, the fact that there wasn't a, a product specifically aimed at that market, mm-hmm. and so I thought that I would try to do that, but I knew it'd be a limited, somewhat limited market. Mm-hmm. But um, it little just did you know, <laughs> little did I know, yeah. And as far as marketing, I never did any formal marketing. There was no advertising of any kind. Um, just like I word just, of mouth? Just, well, what I would do is I, I made numerous trips from L.A. going up north in California. And um, I even went to uh, uh, Arizona and as far as El Paso in mm-hmm. that direction. And it was amazing because people, store owners would just buy it. I mean, I, they would, I, I don't think I was turned down once. They all bought some of the product and sold it. And that's kind of how it caught on between the swap meets. And, but I was also going to other swap meets and selling product to um, people out there, to vendors. And you mentioned before off air that I don't think many people know that you, the first volume you did was not an LP. It was actually an A-track. Right, right. Um, I probably did five or six volumes before I did an album. An album was more of a major undertaking because back then you'd have to buy the, the plates, the stamps, and everything, and that was uh, the stampings, and that was a lot of money. You know, it was a, it was involved, and you'd have to do color separations, and you'd have to, uh, if you want to make it worthwhile, you'd, you'd have to print uh, maybe five thousand jackets, you know, and, and press up at least a thousand albums. Otherwise, otherwise the cost was too high, and so. That was something I, I intentionally put off for a while. But I, as I recall, there were like six volumes before I brought an L, LP out. So you saw that the A-Tracks did really well. So the you're A-tracks like, you did know, quite well. then after that, you're like, let's put this on yes. vinyl. Yes. And I'm sure I just did like one or two volumes at a time on the LPs till I saw what happened. But I had to press at least 500 to get a decent price. And so mm-hmm. that was a, more of a major undertaking than the A-Tracks. 
So you said you didn't do any marketing in terms of like ads and places like that. But right. Obviously, the cover is it a marketing you know in gimmick, if, if you will, in itself. So yes. can you tell us about the process <coughs> for creating the design, the, the design, the layout? Um, and you said you worked with um, your brother-in-law. Yeah, my ex-brother-in-law is ex-brother-in-law. Uh, ex-brother-in-law is very, very talented artist, and and I mean it, that wasn't his specialty area. He's very talented in many areas, and I asked him to assist me with this. And a lot of this was his idea. A lot of the design was mm. his idea. He came up with uh, doing the red and the green, and the and he actually did the East Side Story freehand himself. Um, and uh, so that was really interesting, and he helped me with it. And he is Eddie Paul. Eddie Paul. And That's a real person. So people that have been following me on Instagram, everyone's like, it says Eddie Paul. And I'm like, I don't know if he's a real person. Is he a real person? Confirmed. One East Side Story myth. <laughs> myth busted. Myth busted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. Eddie, Eddie Paul Eddie is Paul, a real person. He's a real person. Uh, he, that's not his formal name. as a name he kind of took on as a, a more of like a semi-professional that's name, if you will. That's not his church name. No. Yeah, it's not his, but, but that's the name he goes by, and that's everybody knows him by. And, and, so. and then how did you... Like we were talking earlier, how did you pick the pictures? Like, was it something you're like, okay, for this volume, we want to do this, we want to do that? Yeah. Or or was it just kind of like, like he said, like, you know, that looks like it works. Let's just do that real quick. That was, that's an excellent question. Um, some of them he said were lucky shots. Were yeah. like, yes. He just walked up on some homeboys that were sitting yes. in the park and they're like, hey, can we take your picture? Like, we would, yeah. yeah, we would take off and drive to East L.A. and look at the first volume. We, we pulled up to a liquor store. Just saw some guys out there by their car and pulled up to a liquor store just out of the blue and and we asked them if they would pose we kind of gave them an idea of what the purpose was and they said sure and they did it for us and that's how actually that's how just about all of these occurred with maybe one or two exceptions so is you and your ex-brother-in-law cruising around looking for large basically yes look at volume three we're we're driving around we, we said okay let's go to east la we're driving around and we came up to a, a park and we just pulled in and here were some guys we saw them over there sitting by the bench and a table and we just approached them and explained what's going on and they were eager to do it they were happy to do it for did us. you ever get anybody like well what yeah, is it for like, like any resistance or anything like that from any, anybody we, we um Boy, oh boy, you're asking me to go back a long time. Go back. Um, He's, down <laughs> He's downloading the file right now. <laughs> I don't we'll remember. We'll give you a moment. We'll give you a moment. <laughs> okay. I don't remember any specific resistance from anybody in particular. Um, you know, Everybody was just like, oh, okay, sure. Well, I, I'm sure there were probably a couple times when uh, when people either didn't want to do it or, or you know, something like that. But for the most part, uh, people were, were glad to do it. They one were eager to covers, do it. I'm going to tell you right now, just a, I'm going to cock block right here. Okay. One of these covers has a, a guy, like, on the cover, like, with those homies that are sitting in the park. I don't know if you have that one, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, there's... Number three. It looks like, if you look at it close, it looks like, like, the guy just like, hey, man, get that marker. See, he's got a black marker right there. Get those beer cans, and they're all dented. They got them out of the trash. And then draw some crazy designs on my back. And then, I don't know, it just seems like they didn't have, like, a lot of tattoos. Those are actual tattoos. Okay. Nothing was touched up. That's actually, that's actually what... You're a kid, you're yeah. thinking yeah. that, you know, like, all oh, these guys just drew tattoos for that picture. You yep. know? <laughs> <laughs> they photoshopped themselves. <laughs> we didn't have Photoshop in those days. <laughs> <laughs> and so, for each time you approached people, you told them it was for an album cover. Yes. Or like, did the did you tell the East Side stories? Did they even know what that was? Boy, that's a good question. Um, 
I really have to be honest. I, I don't. I'm, I don't think for the majority of cases that uh, uh, we explained to them that it was for a compilation oldie album, and I don't. I don't remember. I don't think we actually mentioned the side story. Maybe towards the end we did. Mm-hmm. Maybe starting from like volume six or seven, but for the most part, especially for the first four or five volumes, it would just walk up and. They'd tell them what it was, and, and they would volunteer to do it for us. I mean, old some of the, these people were really proud. I have to tell you, some of these people were really proud to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever you showcase them in their car, yeah. or like mm-hmm. they're very proud. Like even in the like mm-hmm. lowrider scene, like when you have someone with their car, they're proud of it. They put all of their you know money and emotion mm-hmm. into that car, and mm-hmm. so that's like their. That's like you their baby that they don't take no. out. <laughs> you don't have any of the gold volumes, but you take the gold volumes as an example. Uh, we actually approached a, a, a car club with some guys, and and uh, for those pitches for the gold volumes, mm-hmm. or three volumes, mm-hmm. and, and one of the guys says, "Oh, well, how much are you going to pay us?" And the other guy says, "No, no, 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 no. We're glad to do it for you." And they did, and they and they did it for us. And so there was maybe a slight resistance in some minor circumstances, but for the most part, everyone was eager to do Once it. Once everybody started to get knowledge of who you guys story. were and mm-hmm. was, they're like, "Oh, we want a little," you know. But that's nice that you guys kind of just went around and just you know, mm-hmm. these people, you know, walk up to them and just take their picture like that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I had another question. Speaking of the gold albums, why did you decide to do um, East Side Story gold, you know, one, two, three, instead of making it a continuation, or even mm-hmm. with Aslan Oldies? Like, you did that. It's just one album. Aslan is only one volume, yeah. correct. Why did you decide to do those as separate instead of continuing East Side Story, like volume 13, Oh, that's a really good question. Well, the gold volumes, look... Um, honestly, we, we didn't have permission to do, use a lot of the songs on the east side. So the gold volumes, uh, I, yeah, I actually got to the point where I thought I wasn't going to be selling uh, the, the 12 original volumes. So what happened is when, when the, the ones that were licensed were put on the gold volumes, and I, and I thought that that may just take over. Actually, so I was I was contemplating the possibility of not selling the original twelve anymore, oh. and just selling the the gold. And I was going to actually had potential plans for having more than three volumes of the gold. But anyway, uh, as fate would have it, there was so much demand for the original ones that we kept selling them along with the gold volumes. Yeah, there is a moment when I was doing my project where I wasn't sure if. East Side Story Gold was part of the original series. Like someone, like I hear all these different theories, and one person said, "I think it's like a bootleg of a bootleg." You know, like yeah. because those ones aren't. I don't know. They don't have like that, that more Chicano, Chicano flair, feel, yeah. feel on the we were cover. It's more like a hot rod. So I was like, like, is that style? a copycat? You know, that's a really good. That's a, that's a really excellent observation. Yeah. Because um, even the cars and the pictures. Yeah, yeah those we are not. Sure. They're not. Yes, right. They're not. Yeah, and then but then on the other hand, and the other end of the spectrum, you did Atlan Oldies, which is very a hardcore cover. You know, the girl has a gun, and is that a real picture that you also took with your brother-in-law? Actually, my, my brother-in-law knew this young lady. She mm-hmm. was a model, and um, what, what I was trying to do with the Atlan is, I mean, I, I had I had gained a certain area of the market, and I wanted to kind of expand and, and maybe come out with something so I could increase the volume. Even though I was selling a lot of the east side, um, I, I'm always looking for ways to expand the market, you know, and, and make a little more money. And so that was the idea with the Oslon. We, we had potentially thought about bringing out many volumes, uh, but we ended up just bringing out the one. My, my brother-in-law knew the model. He also, he also designed that jacket. He took the picture. Mm-hmm. Eddie Paul took that picture. 
of her. And it was his. It was actually. It was his idea, actually, to have her pose just that way with the gun in her hand. Okay, so that is the only official model, like yes. a model, not someone from the streets, like. Yeah, actually. She volunteered. We asked her to volunteer, and she did. Mm -hmm. Honestly, uh, we didn't have a we didn't pay her. It wasn't a contracted a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, she was she was happy to do it because she figured that this was one of the things she could add to her collection of things that she had done. So when she presents her, you know, um, her her past to the to the other other potential clients, that well, here's something I've done. Mm -hmm. So she was happy to do it. So let me ask you a question: How do you feel? knowing that you made this collection and it means so much to so many people and now like finally like it's like finding you and ha having you how does that how do you feel about it how do you feel being like that you are kind of like this like urban legend come to light and now we get all this information from you but how does that make you feel that so people really, really, yeah you know, that's a good question i feel validated in a sense because i really worked hard on all this but i never really thought about it much i mean it's, it's nice that i was approached by mike and you people because i never really didn't really think much about it i mean it was a something that i focused on as a business venture and um, the fact that it became popular was just, you know, <laughs> one of those like things, the, I guess. The building blocks to everybody's <laughs> yeah. collection yeah. in these are, here. These are your training, training wheels. wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's just great. I'm just glad that it happened that way. And I'm glad that... People that don't have Eastside stories, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what's, what's interesting is that yeah, I, I was the first one to focus on this particular market, and then other people started, you know, later in later years, other people started focusing on that market. But you know, and, and I knew that was going to happen eventually. But I kind of, kind of had the market locked up for a long time. And that forty-five, because there's an East Side oh, Story, yeah. the forty-five, the, the one that's bring me happiness yes. on one side. Yes. Was that the only 45 East Side Story put out? Oh, there were three or four. There's three or four? There were three or four. Because I only have I one. I've only I mean, yeah. one. Yeah. Do you remember the other three or four tracks? Oh, boy. Offhand, I don't. I'm going to look and see if I could find some sitting around. Yeah, but... Oh, really? Sabor a mi? No, that, I don't think I ever put that one out. That was bootlegged a lot, but I don't think I ever put out that particular mm -hmm. song. Gold, gold, Anyone out there in listening <laughs> land? Yeah. I know Anyone? some people who put it out. Yeah. Anyone out there? That was one of my 45? that was one of my questions because that forty five I have that forty five, but I've always wondered, you know, if there was more more than just that the particular Yeah, there were like three or four. Okay. Oh, other East Side Story Urban Legend. I heard that there is a East Side Story picture disc mispress. Yes, there is. Can you <laughs> tell us five. about can you tell us more about that? Yeah, actually, it's a pretty easy story to tell. I, I, at the pressing plant where I was pressing all of my product, uh, I walked in there one day, and here I saw it laying on a table. I never ordered it. Somebody was playing around or something or experimenting. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to take that. So I picked it up and I took it, and I still have it. And uh, there were no other. It's the only picture disc in existence of the East Side. And it's volume so, five. It's volume so five. And, and it's, an actual, <laughs> it's an actual volume five. It was actually pressed with all the songs on it. So the wow. songs are all there. Yeah, it's really interesting. Pull that out. We can take a look at what's the camera. Do, do, I, do I have it sitting? That's volume five. I have it sitting over here, I think. The picture oh, disc? Yeah. What? Melissa's like, Melissa's right now just about to jump out her seat. I'm like, where that? <laughs> oh, you wow. haven't seen this yet? Show no. I showed it to Mike. I thought I showed it to you as well. Here's another this urban lift This busted. is where we're going to have to take a picture and post it on the... Yeah. Nice. Wow. Nice. It's true, guys. It exists. Picture, picture disc. disc. 
It's actually a volume five album. It will play. You can play it. That's and that's the only one in existence. That's the only one in existence. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, this is the one I was, the volume I was telling you about that um, a young man contacted me on Instagram and he said that this is his uncle who passed away and mentioned that his father would, had also had his photos taken potentially for East Side Story. And do you remember when you were going around with your ex-brother-in-law, Eddie Paul, did you take photos of lots of different people and then pick out the best ones? Or, like, when, when you'd go cruising around? Yeah. Are there a lot of outtakes, you think, of potential people that could have been on the cover? There wouldn't be very many outtakes. We specifically took... Uh, we, we rarely took more than uh, one picture what would be designated for the east side. I mean, there, I'm sure there were times when we took two or three different, but for the most part... Uh, we would corner somebody and t- get get them to get posed for us and take their picture, and mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. We didn't do there were not a lot of outtakes. There may be a couple, but most of the time you set out for what you got, and when you felt that was the photo, thank you, then you were on your way. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, we would take several of the same. You know, we might have the same people pose differently, mm-hmm. but for the most part, we didn't get different uh, uh, people, different subject matter. Different subjects. Oh, okay. Another thing that always comes up when you start looking at the East Side Story albums is that you see on the first, I think, six or seven albums, you have a San Jose address. Yes. And then you see the other side, they have a Hollywood address. And people, it's like these attentions to details. This is the the nerdy the nerdy stuff. And we you, would sit talking on Lower Order Sundays trying like, to figure it out. We're, we're like, well, maybe. San Jose thing first? Or we're like, maybe he just did it to throw people off. And he never really lived there. And it's nothing. Or so. That's a really intelligent <laughs> observation. That's a really good observation. I, I, I was, for the first few, I, when I used Trenton music, I think I was, that was. That was to throw. That was attention to distract <laughs> attention away from ding, me. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. But 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 the, the the Trojan music was actually a company, and, oh, okay. and that I think my PO box may have actually been on some of those. A real a real yeah, PO that box. Was a, that was a real. Yeah. But Trenton, San Jose, totally not. Trenton, real. New New Jersey, I think, doesn't it, or is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trenton Music Corps, San Jose, California. Oh, San Jose. Okay, yeah, that was that was uh, made up. Thing. Myth busted. <laughs> I told him this. I'm like, I'm like, no. I go. He would totally use this address to throw people yeah, off. I, yeah. I go. Who would put their real then address? Heard, then I heard a rumor that you like lived in San Jose, but then now that's obviously not true. That you grew up here. I didn't live in San. I didn't live in San Jose, but I'll tell you. Um, I had my 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 sister, who was has since passed away, lived up there. And her and her husband would go to the swap meet, and they were selling tons of this stuff up there. So mm-hmm. she, my sister, li- actually lived in San Jose for a number of years. Okay. And she sold a lot of stuff up there. Nice. I think we're going to get back into a little quick music break. Um, let's see what Mike has up. I want to get married to Doji. I want to get it? married the delicates on 45. Yeah. I, I, I hope I'm right. It is, I think it is. The... All right. You've never played it before? I never. I, I think I did once. All right. Welcome back. Those are some nice jams played by Mike. Um, also, notably, all on 45, guys. Mike is not playing these off the East Side Story albums. All OG labels. Um, that was a hugging boy trip right there. Oh. <laughs> nice. Um, we're going to get back into some questions with... Our Mr. friend Mr. B here. Um, we were looking at volume 11, and I, this has been, I told him, a source of mystery in most of my research because this is the only album where no one said this is anyone related to me or knows anyone about the cover, and the people look very different. They don't look as 
I don't know. What's the word I should use here? The, Chicano. Maybe. Not Chicano. They look like they were going to go for a jog. Yeah. <laughs> they were those dudes in the... The we muscle were, cars uh, and... With, uh, what's the name? With Cheech Marrow and they're going... Pss, pss, pss. <laughs> <laughs> born in East LA. Yeah, born in East LA, man. They were like, those dudes like, hey, can you make these guys Mexican so we can get them? <laughs> yeah, so do you remember why you chose like kind of a different subject for Volume 11? Yeah, it wasn't a matter of choosing necessarily. It was just, um, it was just, we were, we were looking, we were trying to find somebody. We got getting frustrated because we couldn't find something. Well, I needed something because I knew I wanted to bring it out soon. So we had to find something. So we just decided to ask these people. It was in East L.A., and it was a park, and we just asked them if they would pose for us. I, don't, I wasn't necessarily assuming I would use it, but with the possibility of using it. And we took the picture, and um, it was a timing thing. I had to bring out the volume. I wanted to bring out the volume. So uh, timing, just, I ended up using that picture. I mean, Melissa, are going to try and travel and go be there. Yeah. That's fine. I've been criticized for using it. But <laughs> yeah, if anyone listening out there knows anything about Volume 11, I'm open to all all versions of stories <laughs> <laughs> so we asked True. a lot of our listeners from our show from our radio show um what were some questions that they wanted to ask you one of them was if you would ever think about re-releasing Eastside stories on vinyl again yeah that's a really great question um and uh i never thought that there would be a demand this at, at this point in time and there is and so yes it's crossed my mind um some of the people out there may know that I licensed all of this stuff to Norwalk Records, and they, they put out everything. They had to take, change some of the songs from the originals. And so question now is if I do put out, if I do put them out, would I put out the originals or would I put out the ones where the, some of the songs have been changed? I think there'd be a bigger demand. I mean, if it, in order to get top dollar, they would have to be the original oh, yeah. uh, makeup, the original songs from the original volumes. And, yes, I am thinking about it. And, it's probably um, doable. Like if you, know, yeah. you talk to our people, you probably get the license. You know, some might be real. Some of them might really be expensive, but I think, you know, you could get the license for for all of it. You know, it's just it's like you know, money talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I've talked to a couple of people about the possibility, and what I'm hearing is that the pressing plants are backed up for oh, yeah. months and months and it's months. Seventeen. I don't know. I got some in press right now, and it's uh, seventeen weeks, sir. Well, that's not too bad. I've been hearing it's even worse. That's bad yeah. enough. But seven months, you know. Seven months. Six, six Se- to seven months. I yeah. mean, is what they tell you. They they tell you seven months, but it's like sixteen weeks, seventeen. Oh, weeks. that's not too bad. Yeah. How do yeah. you feel about the song selections that were done once you did that? Released it to Norwalk. Have them do it. Yeah, on the city. How do you feel about their selections that they put on? Well. Um, my initial reaction was it's a mistake, that it's, it's going to... You're like, to, I handed you my baby, and this is yeah, what you've done? Yeah, it, it kind of bothered me in a, in a way, and, and I think that uh, I felt it would make a significant difference in demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't, wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, I was disappointed that, that, that they did that, but when I, when I leased them everything, uh, I, I didn't put any... Um, uh, I, I didn't put any limits on or mm-hmm. stipulations as to what they had to do. They, we knew they were going to, we knew basically what they're, how they're going to progress, the steps they would take. Mm-hmm. And so they did. And, and, but there's, apparently there's, they've sold pretty well. But now well, the market. A, a lot of, I feel a lot of people don't know that they're, they're not the original songs. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the youngins. 
Yeah. But you see comments on Amazon and stuff like if you try to buy the box set, there'll be some commentator like, "This is not the original East Side Story," yeah. like in all caps, like. Yeah. And um. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely people out there posting on anything you can buy East Side Stories. If it's a CD, they're like, "This is not the original lineup mm-hmm. and track listing." So I think definitely there is. I mean, if you re-release them on album, like we were talking about, there's a resurgence in interest amongst younger people like wanting to collect vinyl and would love to have the original um, track listing. So now I'd have to buy two sets. I already have this set. Now I'd have to buy that set. Yes. You know, and can um, me and Melissa be on a cover? That's the other question. <laughs> can we do Easter Story <laughs> Volume Thirteen? <laughs> the only the, the one issue is that if I were to do that, I mean, you you've, you're you're going to have to probably do at least a thousand of each volume in order to get the price down to a reasonable price, and so that's something I'd really have to think about carefully, and and then also the selection of songs. But yes, I am seriously co- contemplating the possibility of bringing them out again. When did you realize? I guess like at what point? Like in the last maybe 10, 15 years, I don't know when, that they were, like this wasn't a dying fad. That these albums have remained consistently popular, you know. And like we were just talking about, like if you try to find the original albums online, they can go for a pretty penny, like in good condition. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, because... Yeah, well, uh, now I am uh, because uh, it's come to my attention that that they're that they're out there and they're and they're commanding uh, large amounts of money. Uh, over the last, you know, it's it's only been the last two or three years that I've really come to the realization that there is a demand out there for them. And so I, because my my what's really it's really funny. My daughter, my daughter Carolyn, who's about twenty nine. Uh, 28. Anyway, uh, about six months ago, she said, Father, did you really do the East Side Story? And I said, yeah, I, I did the whole thing. She says, my God, it's all over YouTube. And, I, and, I, and so that got my attention. And I, so then I started paying more attention. And I looked, and yeah, if you start playing songs from this type of song on YouTube, the East Side Story will come up a lot. Mm-hmm. And so then I started looking at the price of the albums online, and I thought I could kick myself for not saving 100 of each volume when I finished <laughs> When I stopped pressing the the album, you know, it's crazy. I, how many, I never thought this would happen. How many did you press? Yeah, do you remember how oh many? No. I, I honestly, honestly, I don't know. I can tell you I sold many more. Um, I sold more CDs and 8-tracks than I did of the albums. Um, I... It's numbers are, probably <laughs> way, numbers are probably way up there, but I, I honestly don't remember... He knows exact numbers. <laughs> in red ink in a little book. No. <laughs> do you um do you remember how like you said with volume eleven you were like itching to get another volume out? Yes. Like was there did you have specific timelines about um each volume coming out where you kind of just did it at your own discretion? Um more on my own discretion. I, I didn't have a specific timeline. I, I just um, uh, I just kinda Waited and see how things were, were moving along, and, and uh, but within myself, I knew all well, it's been a year since I brought one or a year and a half. Gosh, I've got to get another one out. So it's just pressure I put on myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't talked about why did you disappear from us, the Chicano community? Why did you stop releasing <laughs> these albums for us? Where did you go? Oh yeah. What did you yeah. do with your life? That's a really good question. That's a really good, you know. Uh, honestly, a lot of stuff wasn't licensed when it first came out, and I was getting a lot of pressure, and I had, with, had to deal with a, a lot of stress. And um, 
And I started getting into real estate investing. Okay, and and as that as that progressed, and as I became more successful in that area, I said, you know what, I don't need this. Yeah. And that's essentially when I licensed uh, the artwork and the packaging and, and the name and everything to Norwalk Records, and they and they are Thump Records, and they they took it over. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I got into real estate. I was doing, um, I was lending money. I was a hard money, what they call a hard money lender, and I got into that more and more. I started doing a little developing and a little. <laughs> buying uh, properties and renting them out. And that just took over as time went on. And Mike is mentioning that you have a crazy car collection. Oh. So maybe you're not maybe you're not into low riding, but you are a car enthusiast in your yes. own right. Can yes. you talk a little bit more about yes. that? Thank, yes, I will. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much into um, exotic looking cars. Like and, exotic, like what? Like looks like a weird bird? Um, like what do you mean exotic? <laughs> <laughs> exotic uh, cars would be something like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Um, I, I had a Lamborghini Diablo for a while, uh, a 98 uh, Lamborghini Diablo, which I sold a couple of years ago. Um, I had a Dodge Viper Coupe, which I sold. But many, many years back, I became aware of a, of a car called the Shelby Cobra. The Shelby mm-hmm. Cobra was a very famous uh, car that was raced in the early to mid-60s, into the late 60s. And there's a Ferrari Cobra Wars are very, very well known if you go back to the 60s. And Carroll Shelby brought out this, this, what he did was he got his hands on a British sports car. Mm-hmm. He got the idea, and this was done maybe once or twice before, but he really, he really hit it on, on the head. He, he, he got a British sports car, and he installed a Ford drivetrain. So you have a very lightweight car with a very powerful engine. And he raced them at the uh, Le Mans and all over. He was extremely successful with it. And um, the styling of the car is something that I just fell in love with. It's the, the styling of a, of, a cor- of a Cobra. You can look it up online, a Shelby Cobra. It's timeless. The design is, ti- is I'm like so timeless. curious now that you're yeah. saying this. I'm like, I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. Power and, of technology. <laughs> <laughs> and so I fell in love with the, with the Shelby Cobra, but I went for years and years without buying, without actually buying one because uh, I didn't know where I could get them or how much or what, the, what they were worth or anything. And when I moved to the, the, to the area I live in now, which is near Pasadena, um, I became aware of the Cobra Club, and I got in touch with them, and they got me into, they located some Cobras for me, and I, so I started buying some Shelby Cobras, and so I, I've had three extremely rare competition Cobras, and I, I sold one a couple of years ago, but I still have two, uh, so I have two extremely rare original Shelby Cobras. These are ex- very rare and very valuable cars. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a small niche market, if you will, but, but the people that are aware of the cars really, you know, really fall in love with them. So, um, and then, but I, I like all kinds of exotic cars. I recently bought a brand new 2016 Corvette Z06, which is a newer car, but it's really exotic looking and it's extremely fast. So, <laughs> you're not going to get the new Tesla, the so electric. When <laughs> I was like, so when are you taking me and Moni cruising? Yeah. But, Actually, speeding, not cruising. Yeah. Not and what are we going to listen to? What does Mr. B listen to? Yeah. What do you Music? listen to? Yeah. Yeah, what do you, what do you, listen, you listen to? Oh, that's to? a good question. What are you listening to when you're cruising at like 150 miles an hour? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like um, I like oldies from the 50s and 60s, the doo-wop stuff. Mm-hmm. Generally, but there's some stuff that I, on the doo-wop that I don't like, but generally speaking, there's a, there's a big segment of that market which I do like, and that's what I listen to. Do watch so. That's, so what would, what, like, what would be Mr. B's song? Yeah, what's your oh, what would be your theme song? Gosh. Like your theme if you song? walked oh into some place 
And this song is playing, you're like, that's my song. Oh my when gosh. he's speeding down the freeway yeah. in one of his exotic yeah. cars. What? We all hear the tunes, we're like, oh, that's Mr. B driving by. Oh my gosh. Uh, that would take, I'd have to think about that. Okay. <laughs> too have many to good ones. Um, I like stuff with like the Ronettes and the Crystals and, and uh, oh, there's a bunch of stuff. I, I like some of the Platters music, uh, the dubs, some of that stuff, Little Anthony and the Imperials. You know, I mm-hmm. like a lot of that stuff. It'd be hard to pick one particular song, <laughs> but there are some songs that maybe by the Chantels is one of my favorite. Really? Oh, maybe by the Chantels. I have a, a record where it's an alternate ending to that song, and yeah. it's really nice. I would, you know what's, what I don't like is when artists that do original songs and they and they redo it and they change it. Don't they realize that people want to hear the original well, version? Well, this one was a, was a retake. Like, they did it, and you could hear it. It was like, okay, take two, go. And then, so they sang the song, but they changed the ending. Yeah. But they kept all the, like, you know, the verbiage of them talking in the mm-hmm. background, which is really nice. And the well, that's ending's, interesting. The ending's a, lot, a little bit different, but not that much. But that's a really good song. Mm-hmm. We're actually just talking about that because I that's like the Maybe by Marvin Gaye. Oh, I'm sorry? Maybe by Marvin Gaye. Oh, I don't know if I've heard that. But I, I, it's not something I'd like. Yeah. 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 We're um, going to play some doo wop for you, Mr. Tell B. him by Patty Drew is one of my favorites. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's what I want to In Conversation was produced by DubLab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bame. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening.